three, two, one. What was your faith like before? My faith in my early adult years was non-existent. I really didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I realized that I wasn't in control. I got on my knees and asked God for, for peace and grace and felt this incredible presence. I remember going through that whole process um, where I just had this sense of peace. Well, we're in the second week of a series we are calling Rebuild Faith, and we started last week by saying that our solid foundation of our faith is on the person of Jesus Christ, that while often it can be portrayed in, in negative ways as boring or weak or wimpy, the truth is that the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Gospels, was compelling and compassionate and caring and, and competent, full of wit and wisdom. And so through the course of this series, we are looking at how to build our faith on the person of Jesus Christ by looking at five steps of discipleship that we have found are absolutely vital when it comes to developing a deeper relationship with Christ. And so last week, we talked about those. Uh, they are serve, tithe and give, engage in Christian community, practice prayer and sacraments, and share our faith. So through the course of this Lenten season, we're looking at each of these steps of discipleship and how it connects us into a deeper relationship with Christ. So today we are looking at the step of serve, serve. And here is what Jesus said about himself. This is from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That if we're going to come into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to come in some way to serve. That serving makes us more, draws us closer to him and gives us a Christ-like character. Now when it comes to serving, I think we get some mixed emotions uh, from our culture, or mixed uh, messages from our culture. And our culture has some mixed thoughts about serving. Uh, on one hand, our culture seems to promote serving. Um, in in sense of schools, to graduate from high school now, you need to put in some service hours. Politicians like to call themselves public servants. Some are. Um, so public, politicians like to call themselves public servants. You know, if you go to a football game, an NFL game, uh, there's always a moment where they highlight somebody from the crowd who uh, has served in some capacity, served the community, or uh, you're watching a game, that you'll see the NFL players, some of them have gone and served out in the community, there's usually a salute to service at, at, at a football game, so in that way, our, our culture does promote serving. At the same time, I would think if I were to ask most people, hey, would you rather be the one sitting at the table, enjoying the meal, or at the party, or the one serving behind the scenes, most of us would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be enjoying the meal or at the party. Um, schools and churches and you know, rec sports are all constantly in need of volunteers, and if you talk to most 
of those organizations, they would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's usually an uphill climb to get people to volunteer. Maybe we get 5, 10, 15, 20% of the people, but it seems like that small group does all the, all the work while many people are happy just to sit on the sidelines. And, and I have to admit, when it comes to serving, I have my own mixed emotions uh, about the topic. Um, on one hand, and I'll talk about this a little bit later in the message, I, I do think we, we look at our work as a way to serve others and, I, and, and serve God, and I, I definitely feel that in, in my work. And at times when I, I speak, I, I feel God's pleasure, and, and that's a great way to, to approach work is, is serving God in that way. Um, I have served here on the parking team. I love that. I, right now I, I lead a, a high school small group. I like doing that, so I like those kinds of serving. When I, when I think about the end of my life, I think, I would like people to say I added value to their lives, and that to me is, again, one of the ways we serve people, adding value to them. So and that's all kind of the positive. To the negative for, for me, uh, I got to admit, I, I don't really volunteer in my kids' schools. Now, part of it is because a lot of times they want volunteer on Saturday, you know, weekends, and I work weekends, but kind of like having that excuse. Um, I don't coach my kids' sports teams right now. I used to do that when my older kids were younger. I don't do it right now, and I'm kind of happy to watch other people coach my kids, and so I, I enjoy that. And then um, when you take, there's a thing called spiritual gifts test. You can take about what are your spiritual gifts, and one of them is serving or helps, and I score way low on that. Uh, and in fact, when like people are in need or need help, like my heart doesn't jump, oh, I want to help them. My heart is like, why didn't you think that through more? Like, like, you should have thought about that a little bit better and strategized a little bit better. And so, like, I don't have the spiritual gift of helps. I have the spiritual gift of criticism. And um, some of you are thinking right now, I think I have that too. No, no, there is no spiritual gift of criticism. Like, it's something to be overcome. So I just see in myself, again, a need to, to grow in this. And if you have, like, and mixed thoughts, and if you see that for yourself, all right, we're, we're, we're on the same wavelength. But, but kind of here's the, the sort of the bottom line for today uh, when it comes to serving. You see, the reality is we're going to serve something. The question is who? who? The, the, as that great theologian Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. The question is who? And we see that play out in the passage today um, from the Gospel of Mark. We're also going to look at one, uh, a verse from Matthew as well. So the first Sunday of Lent always brings us the temptation of Jesus in the desert. And here is what Mark tells us about that. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. So Right before this, Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan River, and this was an incredible moment. Uh, he heard the voice of his heavenly Father, who said to him, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So he heard the delight of his Father, and then the Holy Spirit came down upon him. And it was just this incredible moment for him, very special moment. And then what happens next he goes out into the desert to be tempted. The Spirit actually drives him there. And a few insights from this. Number one, it's a reminder that often our, some of our greatest temptations will come out after, or come after our sweetest spiritual moments or greatest um, moments in our lives. Also, it's a reminder to us that we will, temptation will always be a part of our life. Uh, so if you are tempted, 
That doesn't make you bad. It makes you human. Even Jesus was tempted. Now, we do have to, we can grow in this, that we, we try to avoid the near occasions of sin, that if there are places that, you know, that tempt you and you keep sinning, you want to get away from those situations. So, for example, if you, you look at stuff late at night, like you, you open your computer up and you're tempted to look at social media or you put your phone in, in social media and you get envious of other people and you start not liking them or if you watch the news and you look at news and it makes you angry or if you look at sites you know you shouldn't look at, they're not good for your eyes, right? We want to get rid of those near occasions of sin, but temptation will always be with us. All right, and, and just as with Jesus... And, and in this passage, we are told, Jesus goes out to the desert, and he's tempted for 40 days. And in Scripture, the desert and 40 are always symbols of temptation, but also of testing and trial. And that's not all bad. Again, if we can get through the testing, if we can get through the trial, if we get through the temptation, we can get to the next, a next place in our faith. And even, again, every Lent is supposed to be a testing for us to see if we can get to the next level in our faith. That's why we're, we're reading this book, Rebuild Faith, for this series. We hope it's going to take you to the next level. So in any case, Jesus is tempted for 40 days. He's out in the desert. And that's about it. That's all Mark tells us about his temptation. But Matthew gives us some, a little bit more depth a little bit more insight into what those temptations are. And he, he says there's three temptations that Jesus faces. We're not going to look at all three. We're just going to look at one. And here is the third and final temptation that Jesus faces. Then the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, all these I shall give you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you will bow down and worship me. Now, I've often been confounded by this temptation because, again, this is supposed to be one of the big three for Jesus, and I've always thought, at its heart, the temptation is devil worship. And I don't think I've ever really been tempted to worship the devil. It's definitely not in the top three. I mean, I've seen some pictures. I've seen some photos. Like, I watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's... it's it doesn't look all that appealing to me. So why is that such a big temptation for Jesus? Well, if you peel back a little bit, really the worship of devil or is all about the promotion or exaltation of the self. It's putting the self at the center or as the highest priority in my life. And this kind of thought was reinforced to me or actually kind of introduced to me. I was reading a book and it was talking about um, the author of the Satanic Bible. There is such a thing, and there is an author. And this was his motto. Do what thou wilt. That's it. Right? And, and sometimes on the surface, it doesn't even sound as evil as it is, but it is evil. Do what thou wilt. Make whatever you want to do what you do and the center of your life and how you make your life choices. Do what thou wilt. It's actually alive from hell. If you think about John Milton in his, his book, Paradise Lost, has, has Satan say this. He says, I will not serve. In other words, I will not serve anyone or anything else but myself. Right? And again, it's, it gets uglier the more you look at it. 
Now, here's the thing, though. You can put yourself as the highest thing in your life and put yourself or put yourself at the center and the, and, and the grid through which you make all those decisions. But you know what? It can't sustain itself as an idea because here's what will happen. Well, first of all, let's just acknowledge God is the creator and we are the created. And as created and creatures, we have wants, we have needs, we have desires that are beyond ourselves. So even when we think we put ourselves at the highest point or at the center, eventually we will have to serve something or someone else to fulfill us. Now, often people chase power or possession or pleasure, or you know, popularity, fame, one of, one of those things, they tend to be the ones that people pursue, and then they will serve something or someone else to get that. Or they serve someone or something else to get to their goals. You see, and this is where Jesus is. Jesus had the goal, and it was his mission in life, actually, to win back the kingdoms of the world. His destiny is to rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. The question is, how does he get it? Does he put himself first or not? And this is the temptation of the, de the devil. He's saying, look, Jesus, just bow down and worship me just for a minute. Put yourself first. And then you don't have to go through all the pain. You don't have to you know, get in front of crowds who grab at you and claw at you. You don't have to raise up these apostles and disciples who are going to misunderstand you and frustrate you at times. No arrest. No betrayal, no being whipped and beaten, no crowning of thorns, no carrying the cross. Not, you don't have to be nailed to a cross, Jesus. All you have to do is in this moment put yourself first. So you don't have to go through any of that and bow down and worship me. Jesus responds. Get away, Satan. Gives it no quarter. Doesn't even let it enter his mind. It is written... The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. And Jesus says, no, I will serve the Lord only. He's at the center. He's at the top of my life. And he says this, that worship and serving go together, that whatever you worship or whatever is your highest priority, you will eventually serve. And at a certain point, we all just need to, to put a stake in the ground. I kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Stake in the ground and say, you know what? Above all else, I will serve the Lord. I will serve him with my life. It reminds me of, of a verse from Joshua. At a certain point, Joshua, right before he dies, he calls the nation of Israel together. He says to all the people of Israel, he said, look, decide this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And some of you maybe even had grown up with that verse in your house somewhere. or Maybe you have it in your house right now. Or maybe even homework assignment. Put it up in your house as a reminder to you and your family. We will serve the Lord. That this step is about making it a priority to serve God with my life. Now, here's the reality. Even though once we, we decide that, we all tend to drift a little bit, right? We just, we're ten, we tend to wander. So returning back to the gospel of Mark, Jesus, uh, Jesus says this. He launches his ministry after he is baptized. And he says, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, this is the time to enter into God's kingdom, into a relationship with God. And then he says this. Repent. 
and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. Now, we, we could talk a lot about that in so many different ways. First of all, we'd say repent. Many people have a, a negative view of, but all repent means is a change in your thinking that leads a change to feeling in your heart, which leads to a change in behavior. And I think when it, when it comes to serving God, we can talk about our need to repent all the time or, or, or often. A change of thinking that leads to a change of feeling that leads to a change in our behavior. We could say it this way when it comes to serving. In our head, it's a change of thinking. I change my thinking from it's an obligation to have to, to, obey, to, to, to serve God and his purposes to it's a, a privilege to serve the almighty maker of heaven and earth. That I, I can repent and, and change my thinking from thinking that my gifts and talents are just used for me to build my kingdom again, to building God's kingdom and seeing what God wants to do. I change my thinking from think of, of seeing serving others or serving in small ways as a chore I have to do to something I get to do as God's beloved son or beloved daughter. And I'm building up his family. It's a way in which I serve in God's family. So that we change our thinking, then there's a, a change in our heart or a change in our feeling as a, as a result. Right? Instead of, again, of, of serving God as something I have to do, it's something, again, I get to do. It's a privilege that God uses little old me to build his kingdom that will last forever and eternity and something that will never, never end. I, I, I change, again, I delight as now I give God my hand, as I serve God, and I give him my gifts and my talents that no longer is it just me that's serving God, but at times I feel God's Holy Spirit work through me, in which I was like, that, that, that wasn't me, that wasn't my power, that was God's power working through my gifts and abilities. And in that, sense, in that moment, I know God on a whole new level. Then again, I, I, start, I delight in doing small things for others because I know I am building God's kingdom and I will, God will reward me in eternity, an inheritance, and give me an inheritance that I will never lose. So a change of feeling that leads to a change in behavior. And so I, I have my head changed in thinking, change my feeling in my heart, then I give God my hands. I give God my effort. And ways we do that, we'll talk about this week as you read Rebuild Faith. There's the ministry of the mundane. It's doing those small things with great love, of serving people in small ways with great love. There is volunteering here in the church, and, in, and as I work in church ministry, volunteer in church ministry, I get to build up the body of Christ so it's attractive to more and more people. That I serve and give God my hands outside the church in missions. That I give, I help those who are in need, help those who are under-resourced, both here in Baltimore, and I can help people abroad and in, far, in foreign countries. That as I look at coaching or uh, helping my kids' schools as a way in which I can share faith with others. It's my mission field. And finally, that I look at my work and my career I give God my hands so that, again, I, I'm not trying to build my career, but God's kingdom. And I'm, I go to work not just to collect a paycheck, not just to build my career, 
but so that I can build God's kingdom and he can use me to add value to others. So this is what we'll be reflecting on this week in the book Rebuilt Faith. And it's, as we serve and we change our thinking about serving to putting God first, it, we will see the blessings that come from that. It's a beautiful exchange in which we come to know Jesus more, we become like him, we receive rewards from him of knowing our lives matter and have significance. It moves from just being a transaction to transformational. That's what Steve found. The thing that changed my journey really was uh, when Father White, I think it was in 2005, right after Hurricane Katrina, uh, he made the announcement that we were going to send some folks down to Mississippi on a relief mission. And whatever reason, the Holy Spirit just pulled up your harder that day. And I said, yes. And then about 15 minutes later, I said, what were you thinking? <laughs> so with my in prayer over a week or maybe more, I had a debate with God about all the reasons why this was not a good idea. But needless to say, God won that battle, and so I went. And for me, that changed everything. My service before was, I would call it transactional, meaning that uh, I would do something like a check or maybe do something, and in return, I felt better about myself. You know, So it was kind of transactional. I think that Mississippi trip for me changed my way of looking at service from transactional to transformational. Am I, am I doing it to make me feel better about myself? Am I, am I doing it because I feel an obligation that that's, I need to check that box off? Or is the why I'm doing it because we've been instructed by Christ to love our neighbor and to care for our neighbor and to walk alongside of our neighbor? But service is service. I mean, it doesn't have to be a week-long service or, or more. A service can be a simple act of kindness or service at, at, at church or at home or in the community. Like I'm a greeter, and part of the greeting, people know we open doors. But that's what we do. That's not really, I don't view that as the service. The service, is the smile. The service is welcoming someone in, saying, how are you today, you know? It is relational, you know? It is, you, you learn about people, um, and they learn about you. And so that really makes a difference in how you approach ministry. It's, it isn't about you anymore, it's about us. It, it's about us as, as the people you're serving, it's about us as a community. Just examine the why you're doing it. If, if, the, if you've got the why, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Opening a door, you know, serving in the cafe, doesn't matter. It's all, it's all good because you've got the why and the why you're doing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that you are the why. We do it because we, want you to, we, want, we serve because we want you to be first place in our lives, and it is all about you. And we do thank you, Father, that we get to partner with you in building your kingdom. 
We thank you, Father, that you have immeasurable rewards when it comes to everything we give to you in service to you and to your people, that we will know rewards forever in heaven, that it is our inheritance that we work for on this earth. And God, we just, again, we thank you for the privilege, the honor of serving you and building your kingdom. Help us to grow in that through the course of this week and this series. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.